Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very merry special Christmas episode of In the Spotlight. For we need a little Christmas right this very minute. Candles in the window, carols at the spirit. Our podcast where we deep dive into classic musicals one at a time. At least what we normally do. But not today, because it's the holiday season. So I'm Michael Fling, one of your hosts, and I'm so pleased to be joined by... If I were Santa, the woman I'd absolutely want to be my domestic partner, Annika Chapin. Hi, Annika. Hi, Michael. A very Merry Christmas to you. And to you as well. And thank you for that lovely intro. I've always been fond of red velvet with white faux fur trim. Same. (laughs) I have nothing to add to that other than, yes, (laughs) I agree. (laughs) So obviously we are not going to do a traditional episode with our traditional segments. We're doing some very special, a very special celebration of one of our favorite holidays. So we have some musical theater adjacent Christmas topics that we're going to discuss and uh, in a celebration, because I feel like every Christmas and every holiday, frankly, I get to the holiday and I'm like, oh, what are musicals that like celebrate this holiday? And like Christmas is probably the most obvious one. There are tons of Christmas songs and um, mm-hmm. musicals and things. And, but like, even then it's like, well, there are more than just like the two or three that immediately come to mind. So we thought we'd take some time and talk about how musical theater celebrates Christmas. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because I feel like even people who claim not to like musicals will like Christmas musicals, like Christmas and musicals seem to go together very naturally. So it's a good topic to dive into, especially now when we need as much festive cheer as possible. We definitely do need a little Christmas in the year of our Lord 2021. And I will also say that one of my high, my high school choir teacher used to always say that the Christmas season just opens people's hearts in a way to music that it's not, uh, that yeah. they're not always open to. And I, I think it's a very, like, it is actually a very important time for collective experience through song and music and storytelling. And I think, you know, that's, I mean, and also we can talk about like the British tradition of pantomime and like, there is just something about gathering in this time yeah. of year and, and, and doing it that is important to a lot of people and, and worth talking about. Yeah, definitely. And and you're right. I mean, I feel like people who don't sing will sing Christmas carols. Like, yeah, all of these, I mean, a lot of these songs are really old ancient traditions in a way that, that we don't have another holiday that really has that same sort of reaching back into time. So it's, it's special. It's just a special time. So we're going to start a very extended segment of our favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. Where we'll discuss some of our favorite Christmas adjacent musical theater things. So first, Annika, what are some of your favorite Christmas shows, musicals? What are, what are some of your faves? Well, um, and just to be clear, because we debated this, these are shows that are exist on stage. They are stage musicals. They are not movie musicals. I'm cheating a little bit. In in my case, two of mine are both, but um, that is that is our definition. So if there's a famous movie musical that you love and it's not on this list, that is just because we had to bring the category to be more specific. Um, okay, so top three for me. I'm going to start with number three, just because it's not an overtly christmas themed show but it is a show i love that does definitely deal with christmas in a very active way and that is she loves me that's my number one favorite i was like it's not expressly a christmas show but i'm gonna say it's my favorite well i think it also definitely has 
the best song of any section um, about like, and by any, I mean like any song, a pop song, whatever about Christmas shopping is in She Loves Me. No question. It's hard not to do Christmas shopping without thinking of 12 days of Christmas, 12 days of Christmas, plenty of time to do your Christmas shopping. Bum, bum. Yeah. It's just a joy. I mean, what's, what's not to love about She Loves Me. It's a great show. The Christmas theme is just woven right in there. I love it. I mean, I have to say, I'm happy that that show has, you know, because of its more recent Broadway revival, it's been introduced to a new generation in a way that, like, She Loves Me is no longer... I mean, it's still quite the chestnut. A lot of people don't know what it is and know, like, you know, that it's such a great, great musical that... And now people have a little bit more consciousness of it than I think they did previously. But if you don't know She Loves Me and you're listening to this podcast, I would encourage you... So deep, I would encourage you so deeply to go listen to that cast album or check out the broad, recent Broadway revival that was filmed for Broadway HD. Um, it's such a great show and it ends, so, and like Annika saying, with a very fantastic, um, just comment on the stress of Christmas shopping that has evidently been true for 60 years. And the materialism of Christmas goes way far further back than I think any of us want to admit. Yes, absolutely. Um, so since that's my number one favorite, I'll go to my 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 third favorite that I was going to to say. I really have a soft spot for the musical adaptation of Elf. I think it's really cute. I think it's yeah. really cute and precious. I think generally speaking, I I I think Buddy the Elf as a character is really precious. I think it's got some good music to it. Um, and I I hope that it kind of becomes a bit more of a staple in um in the world of like christmas musicals that are performed because i think it certainly is a part of a new generation of christmas stories that people really love and it, i think it has a really fun and loving adaptation as a musical that i think would encourage a lot of people um to see a show at christmas that may not already automatically be going to that um so i'm going to advocate for elf the musical which is super precious some of those songs are real cute yeah i think that's a great choice Excellent choice. What's your number two? Well, so since you already stole the thunder of my number one, I my my second, which I I hope this isn't a controversial choice. My second is a Christmas story. I really love I really love the adaptation. I think it so we we will talk about Christmas songs and musicals um a little in a couple minutes and a few minutes. But it it has a few songs that I think are fantastic Christmas like anthems that like bring one like the I'm not the biggest fan of the movie. I'll, let me start and say I'm not the biggest fan of the movie Christmas Story. I know a lot of people are. I think the musical adaptation is so warm and cozy and fun and funny and like like I said, the score is full of like you'll shoot your eye out is such a fantastic fantastic production number that I think about and sing to myself regardless of the season, step one. Um, but step two, the song um, that's like the 11 o'clock number of the musical is Somewhere ho- Hovering Over Indiana, which is all about like Ralphie and his brother's excitement for Christmas and like that Santa is like flying over somewhere over Indiana and like stopping all these places. And to me, I'm going to work tonight. The things that get me emotional in this world are just like the Christmas spirit generally gets me emotional. So I'm going to try not to like cry thinking about this. There's something that is so um, pure and innocent and wonderful about the, um, 
the excitement shared between these brothers, like waiting for Santa. Like I get emotional thinking about it because it's just, it's all these kids that are like so excited to wake up and like the belief in Santa is so real and like spoiler alert, Santa's not real. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but there's something that is so like, um, so lovely and warm and cozy to me about like, the familial bonds at Christmas and all that. And even the finale that is like a Christmas story is really heartfelt and lovely. So, um, but yeah, I get emotional listening to somewhere over and over Indiana, like every time I listen to it. And I don't know if I, it's not like my brother and I like stayed up. I mean, we weren't really those like kids really, but there's just something that is captured in it that I think it's hard for me to describe, but I think is so like lovely and, and pure and happy. So that's my number two. Okay, good choice. It was, it's interesting. I saw A Christmas Story, the musical, before I saw A Christmas Story, the movie, which is kind of an odd way to do it because I think some of the stuff that's in the show, if you don't know the movie, like like uh, the the ending in the Chinese restaurant, which is pretty horrifying if you don't know that that's a beloved scene, I guess, from the original movie. I mean, I, I would question whether they should have included it in this day and age. It's, it's pretty offensive. But um but yeah, it was so interesting to be like, what is this thing? It's so quirky and unusual and odd um, that it's it's really a, I think you might be right that it it has a fun vibe as a show that that not a lot of Christmas material really does. So I feel like, I feel like the musical also softens its like harsher corners a little bit. So it's yeah. a little more mainstreamy about it, which to me is helpful because I'm basic, but yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. So what about you? What's what's going to come in? What's going to come in image number two for you? Well, it was really tough for me to choose between number one and number two, but I'm giving number two to something that is one of my most beloved Christmas things in general. Um, and I thought the stage adaptation was really, really charming and lovely and wonderful. Um, and that is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which was done at Goodspeed Musicals. Shout out. Um a few years ago, it is based on a TV special that the uh, that Jim Henson did and the Muppets did. Um, although it's not the Muppet Muppets, it's the Jim Henson puppets. Um, and it is just so wonderful. It's such a warm, warm, wonderful story. Kind of a spin on the Gift of the Magi. Um, it has those those kind of Jim Henson touches of complete absurdity, like you know, it's this. It's this woodland wonderland, not woodland wonderland, but it's like this woodland community where Ma and, pa, Ma and Emmett Otter are the main characters. And, you know, they they live on the river and all these creatures live on the river, too. It's very Wind in the Willows, sort of that way. But then, like, the band that comes in to compete with them in the music contest is a rock band, like a heavy metal rock band called the Riverbottom Nightmare Band from the next town, like, which is like a bear and a snake and like a fish in a tank. I mean, there's like these kind of absurdist elements to it that I just adore. And I thought they did a gorgeous job bringing it to stage and kind of blending human performers with the puppets and bringing in some, some additional sort of uh, theatrical elements. And it's just really delightful this year. They're doing it in new victory. I actually just saw it last night so, um, and it's still total charming and wonderful. And I just will watch it in any form every single year. I love it so much. Emma Daughter's Drug Band Christmas for my number two. 
And I was gonna say, I know nothing about it, so I cannot comment on it, but I would love to see it. So, so there's oh that. Oh my God. Well, it's also, I mean, I have to say like the TV special is, it's quite short. Um, and it has a really great Paul Williams score with some beautiful, beautiful melodies. So, um, well worth seeking out, um, either the stage version or the, the original version, really, really special. So since you stole my number one, I'm going to go ahead and give an extra plug to something that I do think is firmly a Christmas show, even though um, it, it certainly takes place at Christmas and whatnot. Um, I am going to give a shout out to Annie, which I just did a, f- a full documentary on, and I feel like I'm an Annie scholar, so I'm a little bit in this moment in time um, partial to Annie. Um, check out the the documentary on YouTube uh, if you want. We'll link to it somewhere on one of our social pages. But um, Annie absolutely takes place at Christmas. It definitely has that Christmassy vibe about it on stage. And uh, so special shout out to Annie and a new deal for Christmas. New deal for Christmas, that Christmas classic. Yes, Annie uh, definitely qualifies as a Christmas musical and obviously very delightful. So what's your number one? What's your number one Christmas musicale? Well, this is another one that is adapted from a movie, although it's another movie that weirdly I never watched when I was a kid. But I did end up working on this musical, which is probably why it occupies the number one spot. And for me, it's just like the most concentrated Christmas you could get in a show. Um, and that is White Christmas. It's just, I mean, it's one wonderful song after another. It's that, I mean, the, the costumes are gorgeous. There's dance numbers. The, You know, it just is like joyous Christmas delight. Um Unlike the movie, there is no number about a minstrel show, which everybody is, I'm sure, very happy about. Um, a, tough, and, a tough look because it's such a catchy number, but it's tough. It's tough. It is. It is tough. I at least it does. To... At least it's not outright blackface like Holiday. Oh, no, thank God! Thank God! But uh, woof, yeah. Um, I watched it this year, and I was like, oh, I forgot about this part of this. Um, but yeah, the the show is delightful, and David Ives, the amazing playwright. Uh, works on the book so it's really got a strong book it's just really fun and uh full of great numbers and does a thing that i really um always love which is it puts a number after the the curtain call so all the jerks who left before the curtain call which is a huge pet peeve of mine inevitably come streaming back into the theater when they hear that they've missed like one of the best numbers in the show and then they're mad and i'm very happy about it because they've been punished for their uh dishonorable leaving before you can thank the performers for their work. So, you know, I both, it's fun. It fills me with a Christmas spirit and a little bit with a spirit of justifiable punishment, which is a good combo. So I have never seen white Christmas on stage. I only know the movie. Um, and I need to see it on stage because I'm sure I would thoroughly enjoy it. Although, uh, it cuts my favorite number from the movie, um, rather harshly. I'd say, uh, which is, gee, I wish I was back in the army. I know it makes an appearance before you hop on me, but it is the best number in the movie. Of course, it has nothing to do with Christmas and nothing to do with the plot, but it's a fantastic song, and I'm mad about it. Fair. Your your opinion is noted, and uh, when you direct it someday, you can illegally put it back in somehow. (laughs) Gee, I wish I was back in the arm. It's such a, come on, it's such a bop. Okay. All right. And speaking of bops, let's move on to favorite Christmas albums that we're going to specify have something to do uh, with a musical theater performer or um, Broadway in some way, shape, or form. But what's, what are some of the albums that um, that are all Christmas songs that you love to listen to this time of year? 
Well, uh, this is a very clear answer uh, for me, even though the, the Broadway connection is slightly tenuous, but I'm doing it anyway. So for some reason, I am not sure why, my immediate family has the most beloved Christmas album of our family. We all have a copy now. And thanks to my father, who works with one of the people in this uh, involved in this album, we all have a signed copy. But that album is the Partridge Family Christmas album, signed by Shirley Jones, um, star of stage and screen, uh, of course. So that's my Broadway connection. But do we listen to this album every single year when we're opening presents? Absolutely. Does it have a special Christmas song that is all its own as its opening number? Um, it does. Can we all sing it by heart? Of course we can. Yes. The Partridge Family Christmas album is the Chapin Family number one Christmas album that, yes, uh, I stand by it. I feel great about it. Partridge Family Christmas album. <laughs> Love so, it. So if I were to make my our family equivalent to that, which um, my family is delightfully fractured, shout out to Divorce, um, I would say our our weird family Christmas album obsession is in well there are two there are two neither of which have Broadway connections one of one is the um, the Hanson Christmas album which is a fantastic album uh, mm -hmm. Hanson not one hit wonders Hanson. not Hanson one hit wonders band. at all Hanson the band Hanson the band um, who did um pop and are I think probably often called one hit wonders. Uh, to us, they are both the Christmas album and some later albums that are delightful. Um, so it's good. Snowed in. Check it out. It's it's worth a stream and uh, and actually worth a purchase. And the other one um, in the, this, again, doesn't really have a Broadway. It has a very, very tenuous Broadway connection. Um, but the other weird one that we spent a lot of time listening to as kids was um, Garth Brooks has uh, did a Christmas album for a made for TV movie that starred Whoopi Goldberg that she like became Santa Claus and it was called Call Me Claus. A great album, a great album. Anyway, those are not, that was not even supposed to factor into my discussion, but if we're talking about weird family Christmas albums that are niche, that our families love, those would be ours. Um, so what, Interesting that you have the equivalent of sort of like teeny bopper bands I mean, making I, Christmas. I would feel like that is maybe more of a thing than people want to admit. I feel like like a lot of families have like weird Christmas albums that they like. That aren't just like Bing Crosby at Christmas, which of course is a fantastic album and, and whatnot, but that are a little off the beaten path. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's one of the great joys of this kind of holiday um, or whatever holiday you celebrate in your family. It's, you know, there's the things that are traditional with a capital T that everybody does roughly. And then there's the weird little traditions that you adopt through whatever means. And, and those can bring you uh, equal joy, if not more so. So it's nice. It's just nice. It's a little bit like, so I, one of the things that I wanted to shout out in this section was um, Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS used to do these albums called Carols for a Cure, which were all the current running Broadway shows would do some kind of a Christmas song or that they either composed themselves or it was a parody of a song in their show or it was a traditional song arranged in a certain way that were really great albums. I don't know what happened to them. I, I don't think they do them anymore, but those were delightful albums back in the day and i i hope i feel like in some ways the contemporary equivalent of this and i don't mean to steal your thunder if you're going to say this would be the advent calendars who are part of my absolute favorite thing this time of year if you don't follow them on social media they are so funny um but uh yeah so what are some of your other christmas albums 
Well, first of all, I want to say uh, shout out to the Advent Carol Durs. Like, it, it tr- I wasn't going to bring it up, and I'm so glad you did because it truly is the purest joy. They've been doing it for three years now, I think. And you introduced me to that. I would not know yeah. that they existed without you. So, and now I, I feel yeah. like I'm an evangelical. I'm like every person I run into. I'm like, you must follow them. You must oh. follow them. It's amazing. It's Julia Madison and Joel Wagoner, and they just, I mean, it's so funny. I mean, I'm playing Secret Santa with myself is something that I sing a fair amount. Um, There's just so many good ones, and it's so creative and wonderful, so they are great. Um, Now I can't remember what you were asking. Well, other Christmas albums that you listen to that are, like, Broadway adjacent. So, like, for me, to dedicated listeners of the program, it will come as no surprise that I have an intimate relationship with Julie Andrews' Christmas album. Uh, full of traditional carols and some lovely Andre, Andre Previn arrangements of um, certain songs. I will say uh, shout out her, that arrangement of jingle bells is, is pretty great. Anyway, there are lots of like, uh, you know, it's Julie Andrews being fabulous at Christmas and, and who doesn't love like there, she sings, I saw, I saw two ships. And it's like, that's like the only reason it's like one of my favorite songs is because I love that version of the song anyway. So it's a great Christmas album that I, I wholeheartedly endorse. Excellent. I mean, shocker, shocker. I know. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah. We don't, I don't listen to a ton of Broadway Christmas album, but actually weirdly enough, this is a section in which we tend to branch out a little bit beyond our Broadway uh, people. We, we have some like pop albums that we listen to like Pink Martini's Christmas album and you know, the, the kind of classics, a lot of the mixes of the Rat Pack Christmas or whatever. So um, or the glorious sound of Christmas, which is a very traditional thing that my dad used to listen to. Like my dad's family used to play when he was unwrapping presents as a kid. So we either go really traditional or kind of retro or kind of contemporary pop adaptations rather than um, the Broadway albums, of which there are many and I'm sure they're very wonderful. I was going to say the other, the other like classic examples to discuss are like Barbara Streisand's Christmas album is very famous and beloved. I, it's not my, one of my favorites, but people love it. Um, and a special shout out to the Judy Garland Christmas special, which is like kind of the quintessential Christmas special, if there ever was one. And um, if you haven't watched it, it does exist like in its entirety online. You can also get an album form of it that I got like at Borders at Borders back in the day when Borders was the thing. It was like a five dollar CD that I got that I tore up as a child. And it doesn't even, like so many of the songs are not even they don't even like. It's like very not even Christmas songs the whole time, but it's so like delightfully old fashioned. Like Liza's out skating with her bow, but she'll be in later. It's like so, and Judy Garland is God bless her, absolutely sloshed for the taping of this special, and you can kind of tell it's not like a bad sloshed, but she's definitely like had a beverage or two or is on some something. I mean, I'm sure there are Judy Garland. There are Judy Garland like deep fans who will know more and will either at me for how wrong I am um, or we'll be like, no, it was exactly this dosage of this pill. <laughs> so I don't know what it was, but it's a great, it's a great special and definitely worth listening to. Well, and, and that honors the fine Christmas tradition of uh, drinking too much with your family, which usually happens too. hopefully, hopefully enjoy and not in frustration at like your uncle who's talking about how Trump really won the election or whatever, you, you know, know. Or something. Um, so what are some, speaking of other, like, you know, album songs, what are some Christmas songs in musicals that, 
that you really love or, um, I mean, I know I mentioned a couple in some of the Christmas shows. We've already mentioned some, but there are obviously some huge standards that develop out of, out of shows that either have seen at Christmas or, you know, obviously like, you know, for me, I'd be like, have yourself a Merry Little Christmas is like the obvious example here. Um, mm-hmm. but what are some other Christmas songs that you love that come from musicals? Well, it's interesting. You know, this is actually a tougher category for me because I feel like the ones that often originate in musicals are hitting something that I'm going to talk about shortly, which is uh, they're a little sad often. And I don't love a sad Christmas thing in general. So for me, it's like, I love We Need a Little Christmas in Mame. I think it has such, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, it's one of those things that like, is it, it is a Christmas song, like pretty blatantly. Um, but it also like evokes the spirit of Christmas in a way, like it's all about needing that Christmas spirit in your life. So I, I think it's a great, it's a great one. And I don't know that people like, I don't, to me, it like occupies a really big space in terms of like Christmas songs, but I, I don't know how popular it really is in the grand scheme of it all. I think the other one that is like a huge song that actually started out in a musical that people don't quite know started out in a musical is it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, um, which Meredith Wilson wrote for the stage adaptation of Miracle on 34th Street was was originally called Here's Love. Yep. Fitting real in with this like theme that we've learned on this podcast of old musicals starting out with terrible titles. Um, but that actually was originally, a, you know, in that show and is a great, delightful Christmas song. By the way, other Christmas albums that are really great, the Glee Christmas albums, solid. Oh, interesting. Solid. Um, the other one I was going to, I mentioned the two um, in Christmas Story, which I really love. This one is really not actually from a musical at all. This is just, there is a, like an eight minute choral arrangement of Twas the Night Before Christmas that I am obsessed with and feels very musical theatery to me in the sense that like it is the story of it is the words of Twas the Night Before Christmas but it's like meant to be sung by like big choirs I think like Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians did it like originally but it's this like Mm -hmm. eight minute incredible like very fun song version of Twas the Night Before Christmas and I keep waiting for someone somewhere to do something with it theatrically um, because it just, it's begging for it and it's like one of those like things that I feel like nobody actually knows about but is totally awesome and super fun and like old fashioned in that like you know 1940s Fred Waring in a Pennsylvanian's way that it's just like delicious and warm and cozy and someone needs to take advantage of that for something. Yeah, it's it's interesting the like very beloved Christmas traditions that are not in musical form really successfully yet. Like I feel like there is that musical version of It's a Wonderful Life that kind of kicks around a little bit, but it doesn't feel like that's kind of mainstream in the way that you'd expect something that was an adaptation of such a beloved movie, you know, to be there's still some stuff that's that hasn't made the the transfer. So to pivot, what Let's be Scrooges for a minute and talk about some of the things that we don't like related to Christmas um, entertainment. What are some things that that uh, get you saying bah humbug this time of year? Well, I have to say, this is not a song that I think on its own is a bad song. I think it's a very beautiful song. My problem is, is this song is such a buzzkill whenever it's combined with other Christmas songs, which it always is. And that song is River by Joni Mitchell. <laughs> 
you know, I just, every time it's like, you're listening to Christmas carols and it's like all these happy, happy songs and these full of cheer. And even the ones that are a little more somber, like, you know, the little drummer boy or whatever. And then you get to river and you're just like, it's such a different tone than all the other Christmas songs. And it's so sad and melancholy. And, you know, I wish I was, I wish I had a river I could sail away on. And I'm just like, Oh man, like you're harsh in my buzz, Joni Mitchell here with this, with this song. And um, I just wish it, it maybe could exist on its own a little bit instead of in amongst all the other things. Cause I don't think it serves either side. So I'm going to say river. And in general, I will say there is a weird thing that happens sometimes where, and you know, a lot of theaters that are commissioning want to have, um, a, a Christmas entertainment, like a, a Christmas entertainments are very popular for obvious reasons, but a lot of them go to something that's really kind of melancholy or a sad story. And I just don't think anybody really wants sad Christmas stories so much. I don't, well, let me, let me put that in a more personal way. I don't want a, a sad Christmas story, really. I, I want a happy Christmas story. I want something that, that fills me with uh, happy feelings of good about humanity and love and family and uh, happy, good things. So in general, I'm like, take your melancholy and I don't know, give it to a different holiday, you know, have a melancholy 4th of July. I, so what I was going to say when it comes to, comes to this one, I, I get really frustrated. I'm really not into the Hallmark Christmas movie, like thing that like, just the fact that, like, I don't know if it's because it's become a thing now that, like, people recognize that it was a thing and there mm-hmm. now it has just ballooned into something far beyond. Like, it was something that was kind of cult, cult fun and now it's trying to be mainstream fun and, like, it's just, a, like, it's more fun when it's not something that everybody is like, oh my god, it's Hallmark Christmas movies season. Like, something about it, like, just gets my goat or, like, annoys me, like, just enough. And the other part of that, I get really frustrated by the age-old debate about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I don't know why, and I think my, like, we'll get to this because we're about to get into, we're about to get into the, the, the next segment. But for whatever reason, I think we need to be very clear about the criteria for what makes a thing a Christmas thing. And I don't think that it's just enough that it be set at the time of Christmas. I do think that there are certain like, you know, things that the story has to do in order to actually qualify as a Christmas thing. And like, I think in general, it's interesting because like in theater, like everybody wants to program like a family friendly entertainment, like you were saying. So like a lot of things have be in the theater world have become like, Christmas, like a lot of theaters like like to do Beauty and the Beast this time of year because suddenly, because it's a family thing. And I'm like, but Beauty and the Beast has nothing to do with Christmas. Like, and if we want to get real Disney canon on it, there was a direct to video sequel of Beauty and the Beast that was an enchanted Christmas that like they used to try to hawk on all the before V8, like the trailers before the movie on the VHS. (laughs) So like, let's just get that straight. Like Beauty and the, like there are just a couple, like, and the whole, to me that's encapsulated in the argument about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie, because I just think it's just, there is nothing about that movie that is actually Christmas other than the fact that it's a Christmas party. Like that's, about it it's not like it has themes that resonate particularly 
like well at during the holiday season. So I'm going to get on my soapbox about that. I think that's totally fair. I think it's kind of a false debate ultimately because everybody knows they must know it's not really a Christmas film, right? No. But then again, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like it also like somewhat stems from a like if you're in a family movie night situation and it's like, oh, we're only going to watch Christmas things. And then it's like you're cer- at a certain point, you're like searching for more things than the typical Christmas fair. Yes. And so, like, where does that fall, basically? Um, I feel like it it lives in that world. So let's use this as a jumping off point to how do you solve a problem like Maria? How do you solve a problem like Maria? Where we're going to have at long last the great debate about whether or not these two songs are holiday appropriate. So let us start with Turkey Lurkey Time, which... Everybody likes to play on Thanksgiving because it's about turkey. However, spotters will note, it is sung at a Christmas party. It does not have anything to do with Thanksgiving. So technically, Turkey Lurkey Time is a Christmas song, right? Well, and there's all those lyrics about a snowy, blowy Christmas, a mistletoey Christmas. Yeah, you know, but I mean, beyond that, like, who's listening to those lyrics? It's about oh, turkey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, it's a Christmas song. So like... Why? Like, it's so interesting. Like, everybody, like, nobody brings it up in a Christmas context just because, like, it yeah. leads with turkey, I guess. So everybody's like, Thanksgiving. Except, like, turkeys also have traditional Thanksgiving meals. So I guess, like, do we, where where does it fall? At what point do we, do we think it's a Christmas song? Do we think it's a Thanksgiving song? Is it both? Is it just one? What do you think? Okay, well, here, are you ready for the nerdiest metaphor of all time for this? Here's how I feel about this. Okay, so I once read a really interesting book called Phantoms in the Brain by uh, V.S. Ramachandran, who is a neuroscientist who studies phantom limbs. And basically what he talked about was that when you lose a limb, your brain, which is mapped in all these different ways, uh, will start to realize that part of the brain is no longer being used because that limb is not there. So whatever is next door to it will start to creep into that section, which causes this weird overlap. So if you lose your left arm, you will want to scratch like, and you will feel a scratch that uh, an itch in your left arm. It will also manifest like on your cheek because that will be what's next door. So basically your brain takes over areas of the brain that are not being used. Um, by the and so you get this weird crossover thing, right? So in the case of turkey lurkey time, I think what has happened is that Thanksgiving, which is a fallow, fallow area for songs, basically took over turkey lurkey time because there was it was not being used by Christmas and Thanksgiving needed it. You know what? So um I'm going to say Turkey Lurkey song, Turkey Lurkey time, despite being full of references to Christmas and at a Christmas party is now a Thanksgiving song by virtue of there just simply not being enough Thanksgiving things. And also who eats turkey on Christmas? Nobody eats turkey on Christmas. I mean, wow. Okay. First off, what an answer. I'm so happy we asked this question. I'm, I was dying laughing. That's amazing. Um, So, cause I would say like, yeah, I only play it on Thanksgiving. I don't play it on Christmas because you're right. There is a dearth of Thanksgiving material and like 
let's get some more Thanksgiving material out here, gang. Like, why not? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think the lesson is truly we need more Thanksgiving songs, not, you know, we need to keep it for Christmas. Christmas has lots of songs. So let's get into now. I think this is a more mainstream debate that I have had people ask me, um, you know, friends, family, friends, whatnot. Is my favorite things a Christmas song? Now, in the same, what we have going for it, in the same genre of debate, it is played as a Christmas song, both in other arrangements um, that are more Christmassy, and even like the, you know, original movie soundtrack version um, is played on Christmas radio stations and on Christmas playlists and whatnot. The, the culture seems to have shifted the sound of music to being a, a Christmas thing, even though, uh, like, it's shown on TV, I think, like, this weekend. Like, it's now become, like, a movie that they show at Christmas time. That has not always been the case, for the record. I'm a little upset at the rewritten history of that. Like, it has been put on a lot of different, like, you know, holidays and whatnot, because it's family-friendly and whatnot. But, um, and I guess the only, like, lyrical connection to it being a Christmas song is, like, um, snowbells and sleigh bells and schnitzel with noodle. Like, you know, there are a couple, like, references to, like, wintry, like, snowflakes that stay on my nose and eyelashes, silver white winters that melt into springs. Like, there are some, like, there's some, like, winter imagery that is in the lyric of the song. Um, but I think I'm here to submit that the my favorite things, like, that's a stretch to make it a Christmas song. Like, I know it's on albums and some people do, like, very Christmassy arrangements of it, but I... I, I don't know if it's just because I love the song and so I can hold it in two different hands and like think of it as what it is in the movie. And then like, okay, if you want to make it a Christmas song, fine. Except it's not really a Christmas song, but where, where do you fall in that debate? Annika? Uh, I feel, I feel this way about it. Get out of here with this, with this thing. It is not a Christmas song. I, to me, it's, I mean, yes, I think for both of us, we know the original context. We know the show. We, it's a little bit hard to sort of just divorce it from that and stick it in something else. But, um, but also what's kind of weird to me about it is for me, it seems like it's, it's come to be a Christmas uh, song because it's about stuff, because it's about presents and things that you like. Um, and that just feels like not a good enough reason, you know, like, like it feels like Christmas songs should celebrate the things that are not about gifts necessarily, you know? Um, I was going to say, but it also is not like, she, it's not like they're listing off things that are like, oh, buy me this for Christmas. Like, it is like a no. reappropriate, it's like a misread of, like, lyrics and of intention yeah. almost. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it does seem that way. And in a kind of weirdly cynical way where it's sort of like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a list of, like, things you like to have and receive or something. You know, it's, it kind of feels like it's both lazy and cynical. So um, I don't really like it on there. And And again... With the aforementioned turkey lurkey time debate, Christmas has plenty of songs. We do not need to mine other sources for Christmas songs. There's plenty. There's so many. We do not need this. So while I support the watching of Sound of Music around Christmas as an excellent family film about all of the things that uh, overlap with Christmas in a snowy, alpy place, um, although it's not really snowy ever in the movie, but um, I do not support my favorite things being a Christmas song. I that's where that's how I feel. About I it. would agree with that. 
I am not sad um, for the residuals that Roger Hammerstein, Julie Andrews, or any or Mary Martin or any of them receive for any playings of it, though. Anything that supports them financially, I am a fan of. So fine, include it in your playlist, but it's not really a Christmas song. Would be, I think, the way that this jury is is ruling. Fair. Okay, so in our in our final topic that we're we're going to discuss, we thought it'd be fun to spend some time talking about some Christmas movies and or stories that aren't musicals that should be. In a special segment we're calling Someone Tell the Story. Someone tell the story. Someone sing the song. But Annika, what are some what are some things that you would like to see uh in your uh Christmas stocking of 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 Christmas musicals? Well, it's an interesting question. So for me, there's definitely stuff that I've seen that I think is very charming and would lend itself very well to a musical. Like, for example, there's a, a really beautiful movie that's on Netflix. Uh, I think it was a few years ago. It's animated and it's called Claus um, or Klaus. It's K-L-A-U-S. Um, I honestly can't remember how they pronounce it in the movie, but it's about uh, basically a, a kind of hapless, good for nothing guy who gets a job as a postman in a very faraway town and, and ends up, um, changing the town and finding his purpose and, and meeting what is in essence Santa Claus who's sort of given up on his, um, on his job for various reasons. It's a very lovely movie. And I think it would make a great musical because it's about all those, those wonderful things, community, um, you know, a, a sort of hapless protagonist, all of these things that would, would go very well. Um, however, the one that I really would love to see is something slightly different because when I think about the entertainment we have for Christmas, I think there's a lot of overtly family entertainment um, in the Christmas realm. You know, a lot of shows are made to be attended by the entire family, um, kids and parents, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a lot of that already, but what we don't have a ton of are sort of Christmas things that are aimed at a slightly different age group. Um, and so for that reason, I'd say my number one that I would love to see ad adapted is a, actually another Netflix thing. <laughs> I mean, isn't everything these days, but that is Dash and Lily, which was a mini series on Netflix last year. I think it was adapted from a series of novels. Um, shout out to Joe Trace, who was the book writer of Be More Chill. So he's already got some musical uh, theater bona fides under his, under his belt, but it's really sweet. It's about, a really awkward teenage girl who lives in New York city. And um, she ends up becoming a pen pal sort of with this guy who's um, more popular and suave and they don't really know who they are. So it's got a little bit of that kind of, she loves me vibe of, of secret writers. And um, they end up kind of making a scavenger hunt for each other across the city. They have a, they have a diary that they exchange um, by putting it in a certain bookshelf at the Strand. And they will, um, you know, challenge each other to do different things, fun things around the city, um, have different experiences while kind of actually traveling in each other's orbits without really knowing it. And I just think that that would be, be a great musical. And it would also be a really fun thing because it would it would be appealing to kind of young adults and teenagers and a group that isn't usually courted by a lot of this Christmas material, but it has all of the warmth and wonderfulness and like, 
you know, there's a lot of great characters. I mean, her aunt is amazing and like his friends, you know, there's all of the, the rooms have all that fun stuff that you would see in a musical. Um, but something that you, that we really haven't really seen in the Christmas musicals we, we have so far. So Dash and Lily is my number one. Um, also, I'm probably going to message Joe Trace after this and say, hey, you should make Dash and Lily into a musical. So I claim full credit if it becomes a musical someday. Love that. I so my answer is I I think this is very like off the cuff, but I do think that um the Santa Claus starring Tim Allen would make for a very cute musical. Um, it is definitely in that vein of like you know family entertainment type stuff, but I think the kind of unlikely story that is like that is the Santa Claus if you haven't seen it um would make for a very delightful Christmas kind of you know spectacular thing. Um, it is very like, you know, in that like nineties movie kind of vein that we seem to be like in right now for a lot of musicals. So someone may be thinking of it already, but I would endorse that, send it my way. Um, I would be like, I think it's super it cute, does. super cute and fun. It's one of my family's favorites too. Um, and the other one that like every ballet company in the world is going to hate me. I think someone needs to make the Nutcracker into a musical and like use the Tchaikovsky music as like a launch pad for it. Um, but basically like take it away from the ballet companies because who wants to go watch a ballet and let's make a musical out of the Nutcracker because I love the story of the Nutcracker. Um, every ballet company, if it were good, would hate everybody else because all these theater companies would start doing the Nutcracker and then what do the ballets have, which would be terrible. But I think it's such a delightful story. Their original story is really interesting. I love that music. Um, and some smart composers could take that as like a, a jumping off leap point and probably make a warm, delightful Christmas fantasy that could be very charming and, and lovely, I think, for this time of year. Heavy on dance or stepping away from the heavy on dance? I think like you probably step away from, I think it's still like a dance musical, but I think you step away from it. I think you Got like it. try to do other things. You invest in the characters a little bit more. I think you probably do like the presentation of the various dances, like in the the land of the the queen, the sugarbone fairy, or whatever. Like you probably have mm -hmm. like a, a portion that is like a very like uh, not direct lift from the ballet, but like you do the Russian, the Russian, the you do some of those like big things that like people expect, but then the rest of it is a little more like book heavy or like i say mm -hmm. book heavy but more like a traditional book musical got it i like it norbert leo butts will win a tony as the rat king predicting it now i mean listen i could cast so much of it right now it would be i think it could be really really i mean truly every ballet company in the world would be so mad if it were good but public domain babies That's public domain <laughs> public domain so to wrap up our very merry special Christmas episode of In the Spotlight, um, but it will actually be our final episode as In the Spotlight. Annika, want to give us the reason why that is? Yes. Well, there's two reasons, I think. The first one is that we are flying off the rooftop of Goodspeed Musicals and into the night sky um, as an independent podcast entity. So we are no longer going to be affiliated with Goodspeed Musicals. Um, and uh, so we decided that we needed a new name for that. And the other reason is just that we wanted to do something that was a little bit more specific as to what we do here on the podcast. Uh, and 
and the the notion that what we were really doing is diving into these musicals and and allowing you to uh, get to know these shows in a deeper, more meaningful way. So if you're working on them or if you love them already or if you've never met them, you can really fully understand them much more at the end of each podcast episode. So we thought that we needed something to reflect that. So do you want to tell the kind people what our new name is, Michael Flynn? So beginning of 2022, we will no longer be in the spotlight and we will be know the show. Uh, we thought it was a pretty catchy way to... Um, to say what what it is we do, we still will put shows in the spotlight one at a time and do our deep dives in the way we do. So very little will change about the content of the episode. And hopefully by the end of each episode, you'll know the show we put in the spotlight a little better. Uh, so yeah, anything we want to add to that? Just that we love our listeners and we love the musicals and we love Christmas. We really and- we really do. We're so grateful to the audience that has stuck with us from the early days that has grown with us, that has brought new people into the fold. Um, and please keep uh, the word of mouth is really great. And uh, we're so appreciative of each and every one of you. There will be more in 2022 as we make like a nail and press on, uh, on our own as an independent entity. Um so yeah, I think that wraps it up for our second season. We'll be back in January for our third season as Know the Show. And we'll see you then. And see you then. Um, happy holidays, everyone. <laughs>